I'm Summer Falgiano, and you're tuned in to Badasses in Tech. Today, we're talking with Kristen Alexander and Josh Clausen from Ox about navigating career change. We'll also hear how the seemingly small skills you acquire along the way can land you the job of your dreams. So let's see, I, um, I feel like many people, I've just wound my way through my career yeah. from job to job and then it's turned into a bigger story you know, now, but I, don't, I didn't necessarily know the story I was weaving as I went. I started um, as a consumer marketer mm-hmm. and then I got into product development, first at a wireless company mm-hmm. called Cricket, a lot of people yeah. know it. And then um, I worked um, in marketing at Disney. Mm -hmm. And I worked on all different types of technology products, um, mobile at Cricket, obviously text messaging, picture messaging, those types of things. And then I worked on mobile apps and video games. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to the Bay Area to do startups specifically. And I worked um, at a like Facebook for kids type of Mm -hmm. um, early stage startup. And then I got on into the enterprise side and I worked at a security company and then most recently a marketing technology company. Um, and so each job has just kind of been, you know, step by step, acquiring new skills, yeah. figuring out um, the next thing, and um, mostly in the technology area. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Josh, what about you? I didn't think I was going to be in technology at all. Uh, <laughs> I grew up with a family of farmers, so farming was the first option. Yeah. And I decided uh, after the recession that I wanted to try something else. I, my heart and soul was set on uh, being a doctor, physician, okay. um, orthopedic surgeon was like my life's dream as a, you know, bright and ambitious 18-year-old. Of so course. navigated through that in college and then found that I had a real passion for technology and making things easier hmm. and inno- innovating. So I uh, took a passion for coding and product development and then uh, started at um, a couple companies that made software for small to medium-sized businesses across the country. Yeah. And I also got to learn their businesses and to also work with some bigger enterprises as well and kind of rounded me and got me into, again, technology, um, but focused on uh, consumers and the business side. Okay, well, cool. So you have a very technical background, it sounds like, and you have a very marketing uh, specific background. And it sounds like both of you have been um, very involved in um, creating something new and starting, starting new brands. Um, can you tell me a little bit about those experiences around starting starting new things and, and getting things off the ground? Sure. I mean, I think I always, I have, I've worked in larger companies, but I've always worked on teams that were um, building a new product yeah. or a new service and trying to get it to market. So um, just learning about your audience mm-hmm. and what they like and what they don't like and what their affinities are and then what, what they'll actually use, what mm-hmm. their pain points are and how to solve those. So a lot of that goes into product building, I think. Um, so I've spent a lot of time on that in different um, types of roles. And then at a little bit of later stage, mm-hmm. once you have a product you know is compelling, um, then how do you actually get that to market and grow mm-hmm. an audience? And so I've spent um, a lot of time on that as well. And I think it's super fun um, because we're always changing, right? We're changing as people, our needs are changing. Um, and products um, solve for that mm-hmm. change, and so it's super fun to constantly be working on something new. Okay, cool. And what? So there are. I feel like there are two types of people in the world. There are people who are self-starters and who, like you said, are ambitious and, and really trying to um, jump into something brand new. Mm-hmm. And then there are others, um, like myself, for instance, who. Um, 
may not know 100% what they want to start, but they know that they want to contribute to something. And so they'll they'll go through job applications and um, join a company that's already established. What would you say are um, the traits of folks out there who um, are entrepreneurial? I'm, and I'm thinking about our listeners who maybe are thinking about, um, do I go and start my own thing or do I go and uh, join a company? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any, any thoughts on that or any guidance around yeah, I mean, I think I think people are all across the spectrum in different ways. Yeah. So, you know, you may be entrepreneurial um, from a, like, I'm going to risk, like, starting my own business perspective mm-hmm. and not entrepreneurial in another area of your life and vice versa. Like, so I think, you know, people kind of run um, the gamut. I think in anything you do, um, if you're extremely passionate about something, it becomes easier to take a risk, whatever that is. So it could be starting your business. Mm-hmm. For example, in a lot of small towns um, where maybe you're not in a technology hub, you mm-hmm. might, small businesses, uh, the wonderful, small, well, small business in general is like the majority of businesses yeah. in the country. So starting a small business in any area is an entrepreneurial task. So a lot of people are, are doing that. Um, but you do have to be, no matter what you're doing, you have to be tenacious, persistent, willing to push through, um, you know, potential failure because you believe so strongly in what you're you're putting out in the market. Yeah, I think there's one specific trait that a lot of entrepreneurs um, aren't necessarily told to look into or don't uh, cultivate themselves, and it's listening. So it turns (laughs) out if you're making a product, you really need to make it for people. And um, you may think you know what they want, but if you don't listen to them, if you don't talk to them and really gather their feedback and then in, in like inherit it in yourself and uh, really think about it, then you'll end up building the wrong thing and then no one's going to use it. Mm. So, or they'll use it and they won't like it or they'll use it and they'll get stuck with it and then they'll curse it. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of like a, a unspoken trait of entrepreneurs is the ability to listen and then find the nuggets of information, the gold. Uh, this person really needs this and I can provide that in a way that no one else can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I think just the ability, in, it ties into listening. So you have to listen to your users. You have to listen in, gen, in general um, and then be able to adapt to change. And, and so you have, to, you, know, you have to constantly be able to move forward and accept that this, this little part isn't working. I can change it and make it better, regardless of mm-hmm. whether you're starting a technology company right. or any other type of business. You have to kind of adapt as your um, audience adapts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think part of that's humility, too, and admitting that, you didn't have it right the first time and that you now have new information and now you need to change, which goes away from what you had said prior. So there is a fair amount of humility that comes with it as well as um, curiosity that comes from the listening to people that are using your stuff. Yeah, I think those are all critical. Yeah, It's interesting too, because listening, it's such a, it's like you said, something that sounds so um, simple, but it's kind of hard to do, at least like active listening and, and really listening and then retaining the information to then go and make a change. Um, do you have any like secret sauce around effective listening? Like, I don't know if that's a silly question, but... Um, yeah, I, I think there's three good places to start. Okay. So the first thing is, uh, if I was to give like three tips or tricks on yes. listening, is uh, make sure that you're not waiting for your turn to talk. So a lot of people, they're... Um, especially as they, if they're tenacious and successful already, they um, 
always want to make sure that they're contributing and they think they may know better than the other person. Mm. And they may or they may not. Either way, you care about what the other person's saying. So you need to make sure that you're not waiting for your turn to talk and instead you're letting that person, even if it's not eloquent mm -hmm. or even if it doesn't sound good or like the things you see on TV, you got to let them finish. And yeah. then from there, you have to ask the right questions. So they're going to give you these little clues and you have to ask a question to then get them to share more so that now you're kind of like unveiling the mystery of, you know, what is this customer's real pain point? Um, what's actually going on? How can I make my product better? And as an entrepreneur, it really matters because if you, like I said, if you build things the wrong way, it's really expensive, costs you time. You have people that are expecting things from you, like investors. And um, if you're not listening, you're really screw all that up. So I'd say the first thing is uh, making sure you're not waiting for your turn to talk, asking good questions is the second thing. And thirdly is just being there. So whether it's setting up, um, you know, video chats with customers, whether it's literally flying there, you have to go out of your way clear your schedule and get in front of the people yeah. that you might not otherwise talk to, to learn it to begin with. Okay. Do you have like a example or a time where you were um, dealing with a customer where um, it was kind of a challenging, a challenging experience and maybe listening helped or, or do you have any, um, any examples that you can share around challenges that you've, that you've had to overcome in this entrepreneurial journey of yours? Certainly. Um, so that you're willing to talk about. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, you know, there's a million examples I think we could both pull from. I think one specific one is, um, so we're basically working on a product that helps make get jobs a little bit easier. So in talking with people across the country, we've actually found out a piece of information we wouldn't have found out otherwise. Okay. We didn't go out of our way to talk to them. It's that... Uh, scams in the job searching world are actually a really big problem. Mm -hmm. So there's job boards all over the place and there's listings all over the place. Um, but scam artists have found that they can, in, 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 you know, employ bad business practices to get in front of job searchers, get them in the door and then bait and switch them to another place. Huh. And if they need the job bad enough, they'll actually go. And so it really puts the job searcher at a disadvantage because they need a job. And now they don't know how to communicate that they're not comfortable. And they end up in the situation they never wanted to be in. Wow. Um, so if we didn't go to these people and yeah. talk to them, we wouldn't have known that. And, you know, that was way across the country. I think that one example was uh, Youngstown, Ohio, for right. example. Huh. So there's scammers. I'm, I've never heard of this. There's, there's people who are, like, posting jobs that don't exist and people are applying to Yeah, or it's like a bait and switch. It, huh. it seems glamorous, but then you get in the door and it's oh, oh, oh. actually not glamorous and it's actually someplace other than where they told you to go. Yeah. A different job than you would expect it to be. Yeah. And that's actually not an uncommon practice. Okay. We've heard that from a few people. Um, but you have to actually, to surface that, you have to let people talk and share their whole story of what their experience mm -hmm. has been. And so I think listening is the critical piece of that. Sometimes you have to hear the details and then ask questions, as mm -hmm. Josh said, who is a much better listener than I am. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good talker. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, so that's a challenge. I have to actually like really slow down to listen. But you ha if you can, can listen and pay attention to those details, mm -hmm. um, then that's where often the story, the story is, and that will help you build a, a better product. I call them gold nuggets. Gold nuggets. That just, they surface. They come out when you ask the right question. Hmm. And somebody wouldn't elect to share that with you without being asked. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, and that kind of goes back to, to what we were talking about earlier about, um, you know, asking, asking questions to really um, 
guide a specific conversation or, or a specific goal. So I, I, that resonates with me. Um, so that's interesting. Job searching. What what are some other trends that that you're seeing in this in this project? Um, I mean, a, a lot of our listeners, like I mentioned earlier, um, they are either thinking about entering the job market or um, thinking about switching their careers entirely. Um, so what are what are some standout standout trends or things that you that you both are noticing that's worth talking about? Well, I think I can think of two, okay. um, and we'll have more. We kind of bounce back and forth. I one trend is that there just isn't a lot of accessible data out there on jobs that are growing, jobs that are declining, um, what skills you need uh, that are attached to certain jobs to you know have an open door to that job, and those types of things. That kind of data for the job searcher is really hard to accept. To, um, to, to access. Yeah. And so um, making uh, data more available and transparent around what your job paths could potentially be, um, how much money you can make, what are the yeah. skills you need and the steps, I think that's something that's um, really helpful for job searchers just in general. Um, and I think another trend is just that there's a lot of technology in the market today um, you know, job boards, for example, that we're all familiar with, but it's not really helpful. Okay. There's, you know, data out there that you, if you're really aggressive and you seek, um, you know, maybe you can make that work for you. A lot of people don't realize there's technology behind the scenes, machines reviewing your resume. Mm. A lot of things are automated in such a fashion that if you don't know exactly how the system is working and you don't have a friend somewhere to help you, it's really hard to figure out how to navigate the system that's set up. So I think you know a, a trend will be um, providing um, technology that's actually geared towards the user experience and what it's like to search for a job and what are the steps you actually have to take yeah. to navigate down a path that's growing in the future. Can I tell my favorite anecdote? Yes, um, I love stories. <laughs> so we in you know in essence of listening to potential <laughs> users and paying attention to trends. Um, speaking of some of the technology that's been deployed recently. There's a lot of things that make things more convenient for the hiring teams, yeah. the recruiting teams. So you can, like Kristen mentioned, there's a machine on the other side that mm -hmm. scrapes resumes for keywords. Well, um, it turns out job searchers are smart and they really want jobs, so they found out that they can take the entire job description hmm. and they can hide it in their PDF, completely make it to where you can't see it, so that when it goes through the job scraper, you know, keyword thing for the resume, that the companies yeah. use, the hiring company, you know, hiring teams use, um, it'll pick up on the keywords that it's looking for, and then the end goal is just to get somebody to look at it for 30 seconds. Right. So they go through More all this less. effort just to get somebody to look at it, and it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> right. Because huh. these job descriptions will be, you know, 300 lines long sometimes, and they found a way to hide it all. Right. And a lot of times, you know, the way people get jobs um, is through other people. Mm -hmm. the, the challenge with that is that you have to you have to start somewhere and you have to, you know, have people around you that have access to job, you know, specific jobs to help. And that's just not the case for most people. Um, and so there, ha there has to be a marriage between, you know, technology and people and how you help in a better way mm -hmm. that just kind of really isn't in the market right now. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a different way to go about entering the tech, like a career in tech, than any other career? Like, is because I think the example that you just talked about, like, that feels like very much of a, a hack, right? Like a, yeah. a get, 
basically how to get my resume more eyeballs, the hack. I feel like anybody could use that hack. Is there specific things that folks who are trying to break into the tech market should be considering or thinking about? There's, I mean, there's some new platforms that have spun up where you can um, demonstrate your abilities through a test. Okay. And then same kind, same kind of deal. You take a test, and if you get a good score, then you'll have companies bidding on you. Um, that's one way, but I still think you'll run into that like chicken or the egg problem yeah. where you, you score good on the test, but of course there's going to be someone out there that scores better. Mm -hmm. And now you're hearing crickets. Um, you know, like Kristen said, the way to get jobs recently has been to know people and yeah. get your foot in the door and find a way to network and, and get that. Um, so technology specifically is cool because you can demonstrate that you have these skill sets to then impress people at least. Um, but other job, you know, categories and industries, you just really don't have that. Mm -hmm. So um, you're left to who you know, which is more important than what you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I... Yeah, I mean, I think navigating, um, it is important to know for your specific domain, like whether, you know, technology is a super big category. So if you're trying to get a job in marketing, for example, mm -hmm. or you're trying to break into IT, there are a lot of things to know about, okay, well, what are the entry-level jobs that are accessible to me in IT? And what mm -hmm. skills um, do I have and do I need to acquire or at least be on the way to acquiring to land in that job? And then, like, what's the path forward? And I think there's a whole set of knowledge on that around marketing. Um, I was talking earlier today about how, you know, a lot of people actually have marketing skills, but they don't realize they do. So if you have your own Instagram or, you know, whichever, you know, so many people do, if you're, you know, kind of putting out your personal brand on Instagram yeah. and you have a blog, maybe it's a food blog and you're writing about something that you're passionate about, all of that is a portfolio of work that can be showcased to get into marketing. But a lot, of, but there isn't like common knowledge around how to do that and how do I how do I showcase my skills to get from here to there and what are the entry level jobs that I can step into with, you know, by um, demonstrating I have that experience. So I think like it's just, it really is needed to have some like blocking and tackling around like approaching different categories that are growing so everybody has, you know, equal opportunity. It's not just in technology, there's okay. other areas as well. Um, I think healthcare is a great area where mm. jobs are growing in the future across all areas in healthcare. But it can be intimidating because if you want to step in and become like a surgeon, for example, mm -hmm. there's so, you know, years of experience and and years of debt to go into before you can actually like, you know, have your first job. So that's that's a big hurdle for so many people that you can't really get through. So how do you step through a career in healthcare? Yeah. I think is the interesting question to ask. Yeah. yeah. There's a large barrier to entry yeah. to a lot of those jobs. And unless you have a, you know, an and or an uncle that have gone through it, or a friend, or somebody that's going to go out of their way to um, really help you navigate, you're kind of stuck to your own devices. You can do some online, you know, Google searches, but there's a lot of bad content out there. Right. And, uh, and I guess scammers and, scammers. and fishers, I, that's new to me. Right. Um, and a lot of people go to community colleges, but unfortunately, they have a hard time keeping up on the career counseling space. Yeah. Um, so for example, a, a stat in California is there's one career counselor to 3,500 students. Wow. So if you th think about the vastness of that stat, how are you supposed to give, you know, Josh that needs very, you know, personal advice yeah. and know what the day in the life of a, of a you know, nurse looks like, there's no way you're giving that to me and 3,500 other students. Right. 
Right. So for, for people who maybe don't have those connections, what, what could they turn to, to to learn how to navigate these journeys? That might be what we're working on. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's, uh, um, I think one thing for everyone to do right now is to pay attention to the jobs that are growing okay. um, in your area. Um, and there isn't a great way to do that. And we are working on building a platform that provides um, that data in an accessible way to people. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, to pay attention to jobs that are growing in your area and pay attention to trends that provide you access to jobs that have long-term growth potential but might not be in your area. So various remote jobs, for example, are a trend, but it's not across every area. I would say one area that's growing would be like remote marketing jobs or remote mm -hmm. IT jobs. As remote work grows over time, there'll be more paths. But if you're down a healthcare path, for example, um, you might have more opportunity locally and then you have to build up that experience to get access to the remote jobs. Yeah, I feel like remote anything is becoming like the hotness. It's um, what do you guys think about that? Like remote working, is that like the future? I think, um, it, yeah, it needs to be done well though. Yeah. So with technology comes needing to know how to use the technology. Right. So you can't drop you know, a MacBook in front of anybody and expect them to already know how to use it. So there's gonna be a need for pedagogy in order to teach people how to use this different software programs. Yeah. I mean, you can think about everything from emailing etiquette, like do you always reply all or you know, can you have your you leave your MacBook on a train. Like, there's a lot of like business etiquette specific things that need to be taught, as well as um, how to use the software. And past that, there's how to collaborate with a team effectively. Yeah. And so I think that companies and um, services that are available to companies will get very good at creating structure mm -hmm. uh, within the next probably five to ten years. Yeah. Um, and serving as a platform for remote teams um, that gives the structure of here's how you collaborate, here's how we onboard you, here's how you use our software, here's our workflows, so that you can drop in and get up to speed faster. Okay, so there's still there's still a lot of work to be done. I think so, I think remote work is like, talked about a lot yeah. in technology companies, but isn't always accessible in a full-time role yeah. to a large like swath of the population. And so there's a real opportunity there to help people um, understand, help workers specifically, how do I take the skills that I have and translate those skills to an area that has remote work as a full-time job, not, not just a gig um, job, but a full-time job, and how do I get into that? And, um, and there's a huge opportunity there. There's a lot of gig work, right, mm -hmm. that's um, remote. Um, I think the real opportunity is in providing full-time work for people where you have access to benefits and a great salary. Yeah. And, you know, that's really um, what we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like both of you are juggling a lot, you know, with your regular lives and then working on this project. Do you have any, do you feel like you've like cracked a code or do you have best practices or how are you, how are you both juggling and managing um, getting this project off the ground. Yeah. I mean, I think Kristen of the two of us is the most impressive. She has a, a nine-year-old daughter, and so she's managing that. Um, but I do think that there was a lot of best practices we set up communicating between the two of us. Yeah. You know, it's obviously high stakes. Uh, things feel risky. They feel high pressure. And so we've created a little bit of a formula of communicating with each other and the best way to do that. And if, you know, this sort of thing happens, then hop on the phone and then... Okay 
one person states their side, the other, and make it a little more diplomatic. And then if this other thing happens, then solve it in this way. And we've created our own very rapid pace uh, collaboration like framework um, that we've iterated on, had some fun with, mm-hmm. um, that will probably you know make be a part of the culture moving forward. Um, and past that, you kind of have to wake up every morning, look yourself in the mirror, and be like, all right, it's another day. You know, take it one day at a time, and mm-hmm. and hustle, and put the pedal to the metal. Yeah, I think being transparent in communication is super important. And so we've learned how to do that. And we both bring our own experiences, like working with teams, but then creating a unique experience working together so that you are communicating really well. And I think that's true of relationships yeah. in general, like with every person you work with, creating like a good communi- a communication is important. So I totally agree with that. And then I think, you know, you just have to be real about the fact that there's only so many hours in the day, there's only so much that you can accomplish, like trying to prioritize what's most important like right now and doing that and then not beating yourself up too much if you don't get everything done that you you know you need to do, you're gonna get it done in the order in which it you know comes out. And I yeah. think also for us it's been important to let it just kind of keep a good energy around what we're doing. And I think I think feeling good about what you're building, mm-hmm. like really believing in it, that's what is that's the energy that drives you. Um, and that's kind of like infectious. Yeah. Like you you can't that's just there. Yeah, for sure. And if you ever don't believe in it, you might want to change something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. That I, that makes total sense to me. So intentional conversations and um, it also sounds like really thinking through different scenarios and when you were talking about that formula my mind immediately went to like a decision tree like Mm -hmm. if someone says this yes or no do this do that Um, so I think that's something that a lot of people especially people who are starting things or people who are working remote or async you know across the world um Thinking more about that and thinking more about being intentional um, is super important. And you touched on something earlier, too, about um, keeping energy up. Um, I feel like whether you're starting something or you're just doing something that you've always been doing, there are so many times where you kind of run into like a rut. Um, how, do you, how do both of you keep your energies up and, and kind of stay positive throughout this experience? Yeah, Kristen is inherently much more positive, <laughs> generally than I am. I mean, she's, you know, bubbly and has a just a wonderful personality. I um I tend to be more like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, kind of true. always have like a cloud, <laughs> rain cloud over my head sort of thing. I um, don't, I, I'm sorry, but I don't see that at all. I just have to stop you there, but keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, you know, like, for example, if you're hundreds of lines deep in like a particular pro- Part of code, right? You can lose sight of what you're building and what Absolutely. who you're building it for, and so that's why I think we intentionally try to break up our days. Okay. Um, there are plenty of mornings where I'm, you know, up still working at 5 a.m., um, but I don't do that often because that leads to low energy. And I instead try to intentionally space my day to where I do some of that, but then I also talk to people that are using it, and okay. I get reminded of the purpose, and I get grounded. And then I get out in the world and I interface with other people, whether it's um, people that would use the product or people that wouldn't, mm-hmm. to uh, bring me out of my Eeyore-ish personality and make the rain cloud go away for a little bit and to um, kind of inherit other people's energy. Mm-hmm. And spending time with Kristen helps with that too because she has a lot of energy and just, it's infectious. 
Yeah, I think that the, the, this idea um, Josh had early on, which is a good one, or we, at some point we talked, we had a conversation about energy and keeping right. your energy good. And I think a good way to tackle it is just that, like, um, work on something hard. And if you've mm. if you've been working on something hard for a while, or it's or it's just something you don't like. Like there are things that there are projects you naturally gravitate towards that you like more and projects like you don't like so much and they could be opposite, right? We could have opposite projects that we like or don't like. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of like you um, work on something hard, maybe you don't like for a while and then reward yourself by continuing to work, but work on something fun that just brings like a little bit more energy. And if you can keep that mm -hmm. and it could be in one day or over the course of days, then it, then it, then it feels, yeah. you know, better and more manageable. Mm -hmm. I guess there's one very specific thing that yeah. we could pass on. Um, we decided to make a cognizant um, effort to end the day on a positive, like fun thing. Mm. Yeah. So when you go home, like she's spending time with the family and I'm going out with friends, you end on that positive thing that brings you energy so that you mm. carry that positive energy through the next morning as opposed on something difficult that lowers your energy that kind of can make you have be low energy for you know, 12, 14 mm -hmm. hours. That's a good tip. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. That's a very particular tip that people can cling on to. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. So st kind of starting your day off with maybe the hardest task or the task that you're not necessarily the most jazzed about and wrapping up your day with maybe the, the task that you're excited about or something completely unrelated to the work. Yeah. Just general. whatever brings you positive energy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I yeah. Like that. I think it's important because no matter what kind of business you're starting um, or, or even just business you're working in, mm -hmm. like there's always a ton of stuff that's really hard. And there's a ton, and in being hard, you can think through all the risks and all the struggles and the challenges, and you can, you know, kind of spiral down that no matter whether you're positive, what, how you fall on the spectrum of positivity, like there's a lot of hard stuff. But if you can re be reminded of the, the great stuff and the positive stuff, it keeps the energy like generally yeah. a little bit more balanced, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, this is great. I want to I wanna ask one more question. And uh, you know, I realize that both of you are in the middle of this exciting project. And I'd love to kind of end again on a positive note. We'll keep, we'll keep <laughs> with the theme yeah. of what, what are you both What's the one thing, and it can be related to this project or not at all, but what are you both the most proud of? What is the, the biggest accomplishment that you're, you're really um, proud to talk about? And kind of a little bit further into that, what do you think are um, the traits that you have that lent you to that accomplishment? Um. I'm trying to avoid the cheese factor, but I, I would say that starting your own thing yeah. is something that I'm, I, can, I don't know if I can say I'm proud of it yet, because I'm kind of a be proud once you're done or you have traction or you're making stuff move. That, sure. Um, and we're getting there, but I think taking the leap and yeah. taking the time to talk to the people, to build the thing, you know, not being afraid of a hard problem, okay. um, which for us is uh, the process of going through a job search. And um, taking that leap, tackling it, and just making it happen step by step through all the stuff that's not fun, through the mm -hmm. stuff that is fun, that gives you energy, through the bad days, through the good days, and sticking with it. So I think I'm currently proud of us as a unit right now for making it happen and sticking with it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree. <clears throat> I think that that is the... Um, 
the best feeling. Um, and, and taking the leap is really hard. Like that's not easy. That is not an easy no, thing it's to uncomfortable. do. Yeah. People like have a euphoria around starting your company and people like praise it, but not a lot of people know what it's like to, to bootstrap a company from the ground up. Yeah. So it's a whole thing. It's a real thing and it's not an easy leap um, to take. And I think um, just doing it alone is like a huge accomplishment. And then all of the things that Josh said. And then I, to to just um, add another dimension to it, knowing that in that process of all the risks that you're taking and like putting everything on the line, like you're really helping people. So in our case, like we're really, we have really materially helped people, you know, move along their job path, land jobs they never thought they could, um, get into, you know, jobs where they're doubling or or more their mm-hmm. salary. Wow. Um, and that feeling is like also, I think, like a euphoric feeling. Like this is attainable. There is a different way of going about solving this problem, and we can see the tangible, you know, results yeah. of doing that. So I think that's also like super rewarding. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To hear more, check out our website, badassesintech.com and join our community. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So follow us and tune in next week. That about sums it up. I'm Summer Falgiano, and this is Badasses in Tech.